You are listening to the Loving Liberty Network, and this is the Liberty Moms Show. Liberty Moms are the original secretaries of defense. We are the real defenders of the home front. We are here when it comes to defending our families and our communities. We're so happy to have you join us. I'm your host today, Delane England, and I have a wonderful Liberty dad with us today. I'm very delighted to have Representative Rex Ship with us. Representative, thank you so much for being with us. Glad to be be here. Looking forward to it. Okay, so if you want to give, I really, my introduction for you, I should have gotten a bio or something, but I my introduction for you is you are the representative of the decade, the representative who is willing to take on what seems to me a very simple issue, a very self-evident issue, but you have received a lot of pushback on that, and that is what we have been calling this year, HB 127, the bill to protect our minor children from transgender surgeries and also transgender therapy, puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones. So um, do you want to tell us anything about yourself? Because I just want to jump right in. (laughs) But I'd like people to have a chance to get to know you. Well, I represent, uh, my district is in Iron County. Cedar City is where I live. Uh, I've been here for many years. Uh, came to school here and and uh, stayed. My wife is originally from Cedar City, and we've been here ever since. And so I represent this area. I've been in the legislature now, finishing up year four, two terms, and looking forward to another uh, term. I have... Uh, you know, some work to do in a general election, but I'm the Republican nominee at this point. Beautiful. And you've been doing such a great job and lovely wife. She's quite adorable. You know, I love so much is that your wife is, she's like Abigail Adams. She's very supportive. She's very engaged. She goes to the Capitol. She is involved and she knows the issues. She knows what's going on. And I just love that. It's very fun. It's very fun to get to yeah, know she's her. She's been very very helpful for me and and I have a, an extra intern with my wife she, yes she's really good at helping me with things yes yeah she's lovely okay so what what tell us what your bill does it's a, if anybody wants to look it up it's um le.utah.gov and you just put on the in the search bar it's HB 127 so tell us what your bill does uh, what the bill does uh, And it's going to be different as it comes out this year. Uh, The bill in the original form that what I would like to pass uh, bans uh, uh, puberty blockers, uh, cross-sex hormones, and surgery to minors. Uh, Those uh, blockers and, and hormones can be used for other things, but if it's for the purpose of transitioning, uh, to a different, uh, uh, sex than what you are born with, uh, male or female, it's, uh, it bans those procedures. 
last uh, this this bill I ended up substituting in an attempt to get something passed and not get nothing passed. I did a pretty significant substitute on it. I really didn't like like it personally, but I thought, well, this should pass easily, you know. But uh, but no, uh, there were certain people uh, in the body that kept it from even getting a committee hearing this past year. Right, because I I know that you have talked to most of the legislators, and I will admit that I have talked to most of them and found that most of them are very, very willing and planning to vote for this bill once they're given the opportunity. The only thing stopping this bill from proceeding is the lack of opportunity to vote for it and to vote it out. So that is kind of one of the big problems that we're having is just getting your bill into a committee. That's correct. And uh, we did this year that during interim, we had uh, a good caucus discussion with uh, the majority caucus. Uh, it was a very good discussion. Uh, there were some other ideas thrown out there of what we ought to do. But as I've explored those other ideas with a small working group that I work with, uh, it's uh, it, it doesn't pencil out. Uh, we uh, it, it needs to be uh, a ban, is my feeling, uh, because if you try to, uh, there's been uh, issues presented as far as extending uh, statute of limitations that these kids can sue, but when you start looking at how the law works uh, for negligence or uh, liability, it, it, it won't work. Uh, it can't work, and it won't, uh, won't go through that way. I feel strongly that uh, our kids need to be protected. That's what we do uh, as le the legislators. We protect children, minors, uh, that their brains aren't fully developed yet. They shouldn't be put in a position, even though a parent may agree, to, to uh, do this uh, damaging uh, procedures to the body, a perfectly healthy body, when the problem is they have a mental issue, uh, you know, gender dysphoria is a real thing. I'm not discounting that. Kids need all the love and attention they can have to help them get through this process, but they, they need some mental health therapy to help them out and not to damage bodies because it, their brains aren't fully developed. We already uh, uh, ban minors from doing things even if their parents would allow them as far as smoking and drinking getting a tattoo these sort of things until a certain age and so i i, I think if we can get it into the into the committee i think uh, we'll be able to make it happen that's the hope i totally agree i don't think there'll be any problem with getting it passed at all i think that it will get passed which is why it's not being allowed to get into committee because there are those who don't want it to pass but Speaking of your bill, now the bill makes it so that for transition purposes, children would not be allowed to have puberty blockers. Now, why is that such a big issue? Why is it so important to protect our minors and our youth and our children from being subjected to puberty blockers when they're young, when they're going through puberty? Like, why is that an issue? Well, the reason it's an issue is it's not necessarily damaging to their bodies to do some blockers for a, for a period of time. Uh, but the problem with that is, is the activists 
are using that as a way to block puberty with the idea of moving them right into uh, cross-sex hormones. The, the hormones uh, damage the pre-productive systems. Uh, it'll sterilize uh, these kids, and, uh, and that's the real damage. Uh, you know, these minors probably have not given much thought to having a family in the future, and uh, sometimes they really want things that aren't in their best interests. And so they shouldn't be put in a position, even if parents agree to it, to make that kind of a lifelong decision. It's, it, it'll affect them the rest of their life. There are lots of detransitioners out there that have gone through this process and will testify that this didn't fix my dysphoria. And yet now I've totally damaged my body and, and, and this, uh, the suicide ideation in that group is much higher than any other group. Yes, because the, the reality is that what children are suffering isn't really dysphoria or they want to be the opposite sex, is that they're suffering a crisis because they've had some kind of trauma almost without exception, they've had some trauma happen in their life as a child. And so in order to overcome that trauma, no one is addressing, not, not enough, they are not being addressing the issue of the trauma and what they've been through. They're trying to address something else. And so then it never really gets resolved where if they go in and they address the real issue, they address their trauma, what happened to them, almost without exception, the dysphoria or the desire to transition goes away. Because when they have something horrible happen, what they want to be is somebody else. And that is the that is why this is appealing, because it's like you get a new identity, you get a new body, you get a new name, you get to have a completely different facade of who you are. The problem is you can't actually change your sex. It's impossible. Nothing that the scientists, the doctors can do will ever change someone's sex. It's in our DNA and we can't change it. So, of course, these resolutions don't resolve anything. They only cause more grief and more pain because you're being promised that this is going to be an answer to your problems. But then when it isn't, and now your body's all messed up, it's very sad um, hearing the stories from these. I have friends that have transitioned and some have detransitioned and many have not. And they're saying even so, their bodies are so messed up, it, it's just very sad. And they don't identify themselves, and it hasn't give them, given them resolution. And so it, it really is heartbreaking. So, Representative, um, tell us about some of the side effects or issues with Lupron. Lupron is the biggest um, puberty blocker used. What are some of the side effects or issues with Lupron? Well... Uh, to be to be honest, I don't know exactly what the side effects of Lupron is, but if I could say this, this is what, something I really need to say is the DSM-5, which is the standard of care for people with the, dealing with this sort of thing, it says even in that uh, DSM-5 that 80 8% of uh, females and 98% of males, if we just let them go, by the time they get to adulthood, they will be fine in their biological sex. 
And so the idea of starting them on a transition path, however early that is, whether, you know, it doesn't really matter, that will get them in a position where they're going to be damaged when they, by the time they get there, they're going to be fine. Now, this bill does not, uh, Delane, prevent anybody from trying to transition when they get to age 18. Right. We're just trying to help these kids get through a tough period. Teenage years are, are tough on everybody as uh, these kids are going through puberty. Puberty is a very important facet of development. And if you don't go through that process, there are bone density problems, there are heart problems, there's a whole plethora of side effects uh, of not allowing the body to go through that, which Lupron and any other puberty blocker that's used will will prevent that from happening. Uh, And so that's why it's so important to allow these kids just to go through and get some mental health uh, issues. uh, the, the, The issue is a mental problem and uh, most of the time, the people that are dealing with these kids are just giving them affirming therapy. And frankly, it's right now against administrative rules to do anything but affirm. And so that's one thing that also needs to be uh, fixed. And I believe things are happening to work on that, actually, as we are speaking. I'm so glad to hear that because that's just unbelievable. That There's no point in going to a therapist if they're just going to affirm the idea of going to a therapist is to help you work through your issues and find out and find resolutions. So, okay. So I just want to share with everybody some of the side effects to Lupron. It is not approved by the FDA because there's no studies. They haven't been able to do enough research because we haven't done that. But now the studies are coming through that it causes a lot of side effects. And most recently they discovered that it causes brain swelling and loss of vision. Well, that is not a small thing and that is not a reversible thing. Um, That is not something that you want having done to your minor child to have their brain swell, which you know would be very, very damaging and then to lose their vision. It can't possibly be worth it. It also covers, causes malignant tumors it causes a lot of blood issues so it causes blood clots heart conditions it causes their bones to be brittle and because their bones don't really develop as they should and so there is a and it definitely causes interestingly enough it causes um causes suicidal ideation and it causes depression so it causes a lot of psychological disorders and so it just seems like a very dangerous thing to give to somebody who's already suffering from psychological issues and who's already feeling a bit anxious or stressed out about who they are. And if we really love and care about people, why would we not want to help them rather than resort to something that is almost always very damaging? And it has caused over 6,000 deaths. Lupron has caused over 6,000 deaths according to the FDA. Yes. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention as well, Delane, is uh, some of these countries in Europe, uh, the UK, uh, Sweden, and some of these countries started 
doing some of these procedures a lot earlier than they started happening in the U.S. And they have actually stopped uh, in most instances in doing it because they have found out they have the, the, the data that shows the damage this is doing. Uh, even our own FDA has come out very recently uh, talking about the danger of some of these uh, products uh, to be given to, to our minors. And so my bill is simple. I, I love children. I have seven of my own. I have eight grandchildren. I uh, sometimes we have to tell our kids, you can't do that. You're not ready to do that. You know, they can't drive till they're 16, a lot of things. And it's, it's tough love in some cases, but we, do, we don't want to just leave them out there high and dry either. We want to give them love and mental health uh, counseling that will help them if they have these issues. But uh, let's protect our children. And, uh, and let them become adults and make those kind of decisions as adults uh, when they've gone through puberty, which is so important. Yes, I really love that because these kids are truly in pain. They are suffering and they need and they deserve to have help. And we would never want to just go to something. We always use the least invasive procedures to help people. We don't want to go over the top. And this is just so far from what will really help children and help them overcome their feelings and their anxiety and their depression will really help them is to give them what they really need and they do need love and they do need representativeship what is it that we as citizens can do to help you get this bill passed so that we can get this bill passed in the next legislative session in january of 2023 very important question. I appreciate you asking me that because what, what the citizens of the state can do is contact their representatives and their senators and talk to them about their concerns that they have for this and that, we, that they want something done to protect these kids uh, so, that, so that parents that have these issues with their kids as they come up can say, let's get you some help, let's get you some counseling, uh, that's against the law. We can't, we can't do that. And I, I actually had a parent uh, two years ago, actually, that called me and, when we were running this bill and says, please pass that. I have an issue with one of my children right now. And if I could just say, we would love to help you. We'll do whatever we can to help you that's, that's legal. They could, uh, that if you would pass that, that would help me because I could say I can't no matter what we want to do, we can't do it. So let's work on helping you through this uh, emotional crisis. And so uh, that's, what, that's what the citizens need to do of the state is reach out to your representatives because they're the ones that will be voting on it. And also when the time comes, they'll want to reach out to the governor's office and encourage him to sign it when it gets to his desk as well. Thank you so much for having me, uh, Delaine. This has been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much for being here. I just wanted to also let people know that that a lot of people don't think this is that big of an issue. They think, oh my goodness, we're only talking about a handful of young people. But what's true is this has increased in the last five years 10,000%. We went from five children in the state of Utah to over 1,000 children, both boys and girls. We don't even know how high it is, but we know that it's over a thousand. We know that much. 
And so it is become a very serious problem. And when we have something happening to our children that's increased 10,000% in just five years, it's a crisis. This is really a crisis. And yes, we do yes. want to address it before it gets any worse. But it, those 10,000 um, or those thousand children, some odd children, they're important. They're people with a future. And we want to preserve and protect that future that they have. What do you think about reaching out to our Speaker of the House, Brad Wilson? Would it be beneficial to reach out to him and let him know, ask him to support this and help get it through? Because obviously the Speaker has a great deal of power to help get bills into committee. Yeah, yeah, it would help to reach out to leadership. Uh, even though he may not be your representative, it always helps to, if he's hearing from a, a lot of people, that's going to help. Reach out to the governor. Uh, Reach out to everybody. I mean, this is if if people truly want this to happen, they need to get engaged and and, and speaking with their representatives, senators, leadership people, and so on. So yeah, I would encourage that for sure. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it so much for you being here. This is a really important issue. And what is so great about this amazing country that we live, we actually have power to influence what happens in our lives. So our representatives do represent us. They've taken a sacred oath to uphold the constitutions, both the state of Utah and the national constitution. And they want, would I, am I correct? They want, I know that this is true. They want to have feedback. They want input from their constituents. They want to know how people feel. And in, and they're very, very busy. Legislators are busy and there's so many issues and they can't really get in the weeds of every one of them. And so they need a little education. They need to know why this is an important issue. So if we will reach out to them, call them, text them, email them, and explain this is really important. And I think one of the most important issues or perspective of this particular issue is that puberty blockers are very damaging to children and that they are the way that the those who wish to transition children who are going to make millions of dollars off of it, the way they get their clutches in the kids is they start them off with puberty blockers. Because once they can get them in there, then they get the therapy. They get the, the therapy that says, we're going to affirm you. Yes, this will take care of your issues. So once they get that and get that beginning, that is really where it's really scary. Because that's where so many young people who have transitioned have told me that that is where it began and that they didn't feel like they had a way out because they just take them right through and that, and even if they have to wait till they're 18 for surgery, that that is the place where they feel like they didn't know how to get out. They didn't know yes. how to reverse. Well, and another thing too to consider is the fact that these kids feel like as they go through blockers and hormones, that that's going to fix their, their mental health condition. And so they want to move forward and, but yet they find out that it doesn't. So, Thank you so much, Representative. Appreciate you being here. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with another Liberty Mom. Thank you.
come back. Thank you for staying with us. You are listening to the Loving Liberty Network, and this is the Liberty Mom Show. Liberty Moms are the original secretaries of defense. We are the real defenders of the home front. We are so there when it comes to defending our families and our communities. I am your host today, Delaine England, and I'm so happy to have you join us. We've had a great discussion with Representative Rex Shep, who is a representative in Utah, and he has been doing a really excellent job on a really important bill, HB 127, that we really must get passed. And if you live in the state of Utah, I hope that you will reach out to your representatives and the Speaker of the House and, and let them know how important this bill is. This is a pro-life bill. It's a pro-life issue. We have been allowing our unborn babies to be slaughtered in this country at the altar of convenience. And now we're allowing our young children to, um, to be slaughtered after they're born because they are suffering from an from psychological or mental or emotional issues. It is very real and it's becoming more common. Uh, obviously we're having more mental issues, um, mental health issues. I, there's many reasons for that. I think that if we look at our society, I think we could consider that our society is doing things that are literally causing mental illnesses. Our society is doing things that are creating a crisis in our children and in their futures and we have the ability and the capability of fixing those crises and stopping it and more more in the way that we are we we tend to look for legislation to fix a lot of the problems but really the problems for our society are only going to be fixed within ourselves within our families and within our homes so that's the really the best place to start if we will start to really connect our families and to serve our families and to start to help heal our families. And I would invite really all of us to ask our children, have you had, you know, what experiences in your childhood, what experiences have you had that caused you to hurt, that caused you great grief and pain? If we can address these things, the younger they are, the sooner we can address them, the better it is for everybody. And so I, I think that the question that we can ask, anyone can ask anyone who is suffering, and, and really we can ask anyone who doesn't even, maybe we don't know they're suffering, but inside they might be suffering, is what has happened in your life that has caused you to be unhappy or to not want your body or to be the person that you are? And when people can start to look and see the answer to that question, they can be healed and they almost always are healed in so many ways. And we can really help our young people. And and it isn't just young people. That is absolutely true with adults, with older people. They can resolve these issues when they find out what happened and they can help to heal. A lot of their issues just are resolved. So um, we're going to shift gears. I did have another guest planned, another Liberty Mom, and it looks like she's had you know, well, Liberty Moms are busy. She's probably had an issue come up, and um, she hasn't jumped in yet. And so when she does, we'll just bring her right on. Until then, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about men. Since we had such a great male um, co, co um, I'm sorry, we had a great male guest on that did an excellent job. 
and you can see how important it is to have men and women in our society and what a great role men play in society. And I don't know if you've noticed, if you watch commercials or television or even movies, you see there's been a huge wave to make men into the buffoons, especially the fathers. They're the buffoons. They're idiots. They're stupid. This is really, and, and you know, it can be very funny, and we catch ourselves laughing because it is re- portrayed in a very comical and very funny way. But I want to refer to an article written by Joshua Arnold in the Washington Stand, and I thought it was really great. It was called Good Shooting, Left Ignores Men's Duty to Protect. And I just think that there is such an affront to men right now. There is really an assault on not just our freedoms, but there is an assault on men. And I think it would be good for us as Liberty moms and as Liberty fathers to kind of rise to the occasion and really help our young people grow into men and let them know that it is great to be masculine it isn't wrong. It's not evil. There's something really great about being masculine and to use our masculinity in a very positive way and, and not a negative way, but to use it positively. And I'm his article, Joshua Arnold's article, was specifically about the Good Samaritan um, that took down the mall shooter at the Greenwood Indiana Mall a few weeks ago. And it's been really interesting to watch the press on this, but the shooter went into the mall and he went to the restroom right before closing time. And then he left the restroom and started, began firing his rifle into the food court. And it took him just seconds. He killed three people, injured two more, and he fired 24 rounds that the police have been able to recover so far. But just literally seconds later, a young man, 24 years old, carrying a firearm. Mr. Dickon fired back at the shooter with his pistol. He was 40 yards away. And I'm just telling you, as a shooter, as someone who's practices shooting, that is a long ways away. I don't know that I would even attempt it. That is so far, 120 feet away. He shot him. He hit him. Eight out of the 10 rounds he hit him now this is really important because people say well all you need is one or two bullets like why do you need 10 rounds why do you need 20 rounds because first of all when you're from that far of a distance it's very hard to be accurate second of all when you're in a crisis like this when your life is being threatened and others lives are threatened you're terrified and so you're not really able to have the calm presence that you do in a shooting range or when you're practicing, and so um, you're, again, not going to be as accurate. You miss a few times. You can be sure that the shooter is going to start uh, showing attention to you. You need to be able to have enough rounds to not just protect yourself, but others around you as well, which is exactly what this young man did. He was shopping in the mall with his girlfriend. This crisis broke out. He saw the shooter shoot. His first instinct was to protect his girlfriend, which is such a natural masculine instinct. I think it's also a a female instinct, a feminine instinct, but he pushed her behind a kiosk. He told her to stay down, and then he went about protecting all of the other people in the mall. 
he moved towards the shooter. He took aim and then he fired. 10 rounds, eight of them shot him. The accuracy is just nothing short of miraculous. It is really incredible. Um, he has says he has no professional training. Obviously, he had been practicing. The police chief called his actions, quote, nothing short of heroic and very tactically sound. He, again, still quoting, he certainly saved many lives. The police were able to recover over 100 rounds off of the shooter, off of the perpetrator. So he had plans, 100 rounds over that. So he had plans to take a lot of people down, to do an absolute mass killing. Um, it's interesting. So Dickens was able to go in there, and within seconds from it starting, he was able to take him down and end this tragedy in a nanosecond. Because he was armed, because he was prepared, obviously he had target practiced. He was prepared and ready, even though he didn't have what he would call professional training. And um, I highly recommend professional training myself. I think the more that you are trained, the more you are prepared, the better that you are. I, I am hoping that my training will serve me in hopefully never needing it, but I will be prepared if I do need it. I want to be absolutely as prepared as possible. What's really interesting about this young man, he you notice he's not sought the media. He's not been out there doing a lot of shows. And... Um, He's just been really in the background. He he is a man that simply showed he is a man. He showed he is tough. He has grit. That he understands his role as a man is to act as a protector of the vulnerable. And he did that, and he did it ever so well. What I find fascinating and really unsettling is the left media, the way they're portraying this, CNN, they reported saying having more, I am quoting, having more than one armed person at the scene who is not a member of law enforcement can create confusion and carry dire risks. Um, interesting that this man went and saved lives and they're saying, well, it's not such a great idea because it carries dire risks. We all know that there is the risk. When you're, when you're caring and you're prepared, there is a risk. But we're, we're saying, as this young man, Dixon, said, the risk of being shot by the law enforcement is worth making sure I can protect many other lives when other people's lives are at risk and there is no law enforcement there to protect these people. Um, there was a recent law that was just passed in Illinois that eliminated the license to carry. So you don't have to get a concealed or a license to carry, which is a national constitutional right that we all have. And, and the, the states really don't have the power to overrule our second amendment, but they do it anyway. And they recently overturned that. And so that is the exact reason why Dixon was allowed to legally carry a gun without having a license and so he literally saved lives through this. And it's very telling and very, very sad that this is not the story of the month because it really should be. He used his masculine duty to protect, 
protect in any area of society, and he used that in this arena to protect all of these very vulnerable people. And I think it's super exciting. I think it's amazing. And I think more people need to know and understand the guns are used far more. And I'm sorry that I don't have those statistics right in front of me, but far more often they are used to protect than they are used to destroy. They're far more often used to protect and save lives than they are to take lives. And I think that's really amazing and exciting. And that is one of the benefits of living in a free society. And I am, in my blood, I am a Patrick Henry. I'm not a Patrick Henry, but I feel as he, as he did, uh, give me liberty or give me death. I do not want to live in bondage. I do not want to live in servitude. I, I do not want to live as a slave. I do not want for any of us. Slavery is evil. It's wrong. We've acknowledged that. I don't know anybody that I know that thinks slavery is okay or ever was okay. Slavery is inherently evil, and it's not okay for us to turn ourselves or allow someone else to turn us into slaves. Speaking of which, it's interesting what has happened in the last few days where our prior president, our former president, President Trump, had a a raid uh, perpetrated upon him and his home. I guess maybe not him, but I, I'd say it's when it's perpetrated upon your home and your belongings and your sacred castle that it is perpetrated upon you, but but he wasn't there by design. How do you feel about having the FBI, having the power to go in and commit a raid on anyone's property who has been cooperating with the law enforcement, who's been cooperating with DOJ, how do you feel about using a search warrant to go in and just raid their property, just go and take? And by all accounts, they they just went in and they weren't going through things and looking for something specific. They were just grabbing, snatching, and going through. They were going through Melania's clothes, going through her closet. Now, if you know much about a search warrant, that a search warrant is a legal document and it is designed to allow law enforcement the power they need to stop or to, a crime or to resolve a crime that has com- been already committed and to be able to take to justice the perpetrator of a crime. And we need to be able to use that tool because Otherwise, if you can never go inside someone's home or inside their car, then you're never able to ever get the evidence you need to bring someone to justice. So it's a very important tool, but it uh, comes with it some very important safeguards. And, and the founders were literally nothing short of genius to balance our rights of freedom with the rights of the law enforcement being able to protect all people people by being able to also be able to create a a scene of justice by also being able to take the criminals into account, into justice. And so there's this balance uh, because there is no freedom when everyone is free to do anything they want. There is no freedom at all because then no one is free to live safely. 
there is no freedom in that. There's only anarchy and chaos. If everybody does anything they want to, then no one is free to live. We have total anarchy. And so we really need that balance. And so I would ask you, do you feel that there was a balance in perpetrating this search warrant upon our prior president? So first of all, there has to be evidence that there's going to be something very, very important found by doing the search. It also has to, the search warrant has to be very specific in saying, okay, a car was stolen, so you can go in to search for the car or something related to the stealing of the car. It has to be very, very specific. And they have to say what they can search. Other things, you can't just search anything. They The search warrant says specifically what they can search. Not so bright as their entire home. They have to search for specific documents in certain places. And so that's a very important part of that balance so that we still have protection of privacy. We don't, we haven't, at this point, we're not aware of all those details, but it would be hard to imagine what evidence they would possibly have against President Trump that they would need to execute a search warrant in as much that President Trump did open up his home to the FBI and the DOJ. And he said, yeah, but just let me know what you want. I will provide those documents. They've been there. They've already gone and gotten documents. They were op- President Trump opened up his home and said, what documents you want? Take them. They did. They take many, many. They already took many, many documents. And so he, and he said, just let me know what else you want. He's been extremely cooperative by all accounts. He has been very, very cooperative. I want to ask you, do you think that it was reasonable or honorable to go to search President Trump's home when he they knew he was in New York, when they knew he wasn't there, when they knew that his Secret Service officers would not be there? Was it reasonable to forbid his attorneys to be present now i am not an attorney and i don't ever play one but i do believe that it is all we always have a right to have someone present when a search is being done every person including a prior president every criminal has a right to have a witness to have someone present when a search warrant is being executed because you all want to you want a witness to see this is what keeps law enforcement in check you want them to see what they're taking so you can document this is what they took i know what is gone and also you want to be able to document that they're not planting something and that is even very very hard to make sure doesn't happen because even planting a bug can be done without anyone really noticing it but you also want to make sure they're not planting any evidence um, when they are doing the search warrant. That's why you you want to be sure and have somebody, you, can, you are able to be there and have someone there. Now, that doesn't always work if you're dealing with, you know, a drug dealer or something. They don't have their attorneys there. I understand that. But there would be no legitimate reason for a prior president to not have his attorneys present in 
in this case, in this situation, in a search warrant, rather than just busting in and not allowing them to be there. So these are some great concerns that I have is I am very concerned about the potential of having something planted. So as you listen to the media and as you think about this, this to me is such an affront to the rule of law. It is such an affront to our republic because, thank goodness, we were not given a democracy. And if we would have, if the founding fathers would have created democracy, we wouldn't have it now because no democracy could possibly last more than 30, 40 years. Democracies don't last because it's just simply a matter of the majority ruling over the minority. And that was never the idea of the founders, that the majority would be able to use, usurp, control, power, and authority over the minority of people. And they wanted for every individual's rights to be protected, even the criminal's rights even to be protected to some degree. And even people we don't like, even people we disdain, even people we totally disagree with, uh, they have rights. So I would like to invite everyone to think those things through, question that, ask a lot of questions. And we do have something called separation of powers and checks and balances. So I'd invite everyone to call upon your congressional members of, the, of Congress, including your state senators and all your congressmen, write them, call them, talk to them and, and employ them, regardless of what party they are, to do some due diligence, to call out the DOJ and the FBI, to do their due diligence and hold them accountable. Make sure they see that everything was done correctly because if we truly believe in the rule of law, they are not above the rule of law either and they need to be held accountable to the rule of law. I want to remind everyone to put on your calendar the event that is coming up in September. It is getting very close. We take great pride as a country in celebrating our Declaration of Independence on Independence Day, July 4th. And we have a great opportunity to also celebrate the signing of the Constitution that literally changed the world. These two documents are married to each other. They are dependent upon each other. So I invite you to come and celebrate. It might sound kind of boring, but it's so much fun and very interesting. September 17th is when the founders signed the Constitution. Um, 235 years ago. This is a great anniversary. And so it's at Bountiful Park. It's an, on September 15th, 16th, and 17th. That's Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It's from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. on Thursday and Friday, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. on Saturday. And again, at Bountiful Park, 400 North, 200 West. The website where you can find all the information has the schedules and everything that's happening is freedomslight.us freedoms with an s freedomslight.us and you can find a lot of information there we have reenactors we have a lot of exhibits that teach the principles of the constitution through activities through interactive events and things that you can do. So we make it interesting and kind of fun, actually, to learn about the Constitution and the principles of this nation. You get to hear from the actual founding fathers and founding mothers their stories and what they did and what they learned, and they can teach you these amazing things. You can learn to really respect and appreciate America and the people that created it. And we have 
so I'm super excited because we have a lot of black people that will be there representing the amazing things that the black people, both men and women, can, did to contribute to the making of America. They have the most amazing, incredibly, and inspiring stories. And, you know, they can't be told by some white chick. So um, we have some black people that are going to represent them, and they just have the most amazing stories. You're just going to love it. We have a lot of artisans. It's really going to be fun. We invite you to it, and I want you to remember, you are the guardian of your liberty. Have a beautiful day. Thank you for joining us. 